certainly uh, good to be able to hear all the testimonies today of those who uh, went to South Africa. Mike isn't here today, he's on vacation, so this was a perfect day for us to be able to share this. And um, my experiences are one that I get to share now, uh, and I get a lot of time. So these, these uh, people, our team that went there, uh, did a great job of being able to cover it uh, as quickly as they did. And uh, it was certainly an exciting time to be able to be there, to be able to uh, interact with the people at Living Hope. And uh, as we were reflecting on our trip and had gotten together as a team, one of the things that we really find, found ourselves talking about was experiencing uh, situations that were unexpected. Things happened that we weren't expecting to, to, to take place on the trip. And Steve shared with you his uh, great unexpected adventure. And he's giving me some of this credit here. Actually, he was the one who really, you know, did all the talking and did all the work in this. So he was, uh, he was fantastic to, to watch him. And I got to stand by and pray a lot, um, both for the man receiving and the man presenting the gospel. So it was just a, it was just a, a, a great blessing to be able to see that. And uh, as I've been thinking through the trip, as I've been preparing, what is it that I want to say, what God has placed on my heart, um, you're going to see, well, actually, you're not going to see anything on the screen except for this little title of the sermon because in the midst of preparing this I actually changed some things uh, after I had turned in an outline so the outline in your, in your uh, bulletin is not what I'm going to talk about specifically uh, we're just allowing the Holy Spirit to maybe move here and, and uh, get through this maybe with a little uh, fear and trembling and, and just by His grace uh, but we're going to look at Ephesians primarily the, verse chapter, uh, the chapter 2 verse 10 that talks about being his workmanship. But we are going to read uh, all of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And if you have your Bibles, please stand and turn with me there. And uh, if you're able, and let's read together from Ephesians chapter 2. And we are going to begin at verse 1. And it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, thank you for this day, for this time together that we are here to be able to learn from your word. Lord, I pray that as uh, you teach us, we might grow in our faith and understanding of who you are and what you've given to us through your love, through your mercy, through your grace, salvation. Lord, we thank you and pray it because of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this, uh, this South Africa trip that we took this past, uh, I guess, winterish time of year uh, was the third trip that uh, Grace Orange has gone on. Uh, we've done one each year uh, for the past three years, and 
my first experience to be able to go on the trip. And if you've ever gone someplace and been preparing to go to someplace and you might read uh, about where you're going, you might talk to people who have been there and they share all these great stories and experiences and they describe what it's like and you get there and you think, man, this is nothing like what they described. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not as good. And in this case, when I was uh, preparing to go to South Africa and hearing all the stories about what people had experienced before, had seen the pictures that were up there, in my mind, I had created uh, something that was completely different than what actually was when I arrived. And it was a little confusing. In fact, it it, it was hard to get my brain around the fact that I was in a location that looked a lot like Orange County and less like the Africa that I thought we were going to be going to. I figured there would be people in a tribe that we would have to come with paint on their face and I might end up in a boiling pot somehow. (laughs) But that wasn't what we experienced. Instead, when we looked around, we could see that, boy, this is a lot like like Orange County, a lot like the city of Orange. The houses are very nice. The businesses look like they're prospering. The the, the, uh, countryside is nice and and green and the yards are manicured. And I'm thinking, you know, this this isn't what I had in mind. The differences, though, were that one, the houses had big walls in front of them and and the businesses had fences around them and there were barbed wire and razor wire across the top of it because home invasions are so prevalent there. And then the other was in driving on the freeways, which seemed so very similar to ours, was that they drove on the wrong side. And uh, in talking with our our, uh, um, leader there, Andre, I said, you know, this is kind of weird driving on the wrong side of the freeway. And he looked at me and said, no, we're on the right side of the freeway. You drive on the wrong side of the freeway. So it's kind of a matter of perspective at that point, I guess, in the, in the situation that we're in. But there's all these things that, that you see there that was not fitting into my idea of what South Africa should be like. And whenever we, you know, we look around this, you could see that there was God at work. You could see in the, in the lives of people, you can see in just his creation that was there as well. Uh, it was a beautiful country. And we even got to experience uh, going on a, a, uh, a safari. And in this, if you've ever seen the animals on National Geographic or something like that, or gone to the zoo, I suppose, they really are some weird animals there. And they look different. And you're not used to that. But yet, you look at it and say, this is, this is a beauty. This is what God created. And you get to see the countryside. In fact, when we were on this safari, the rain, it, these gigantic clouds began to, to, to roll in, just, just really black and looking kind of evil. But there was, in some ways, beauty in this. As the rain began to fall, we, we were just marveling at what God was doing. And as we got to know people and got to meet with them and talk to them, we also began to, to notice, at least I did, the, the uniqueness of people. They were from many different countries. Steve mentioned Cameroon. There are people from Congo. There are people there from Malawi. There are people there from Zimbabwe. Just all this melting pot of people that had come. And each one with their own unique personalities and design. And you look at and you think back in, in Genesis when God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth and said it's good. He created all these animals that we saw and it was good. And then it says that he created man, which seems to be the pinnacle of his creation, and says what? It's very good. And so we had these experiences. We had these times here together to be with the people, to experience this. But you know what? It's something is very interesting in this, is that God says we are his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And there's a, there's a deep meaning in this, especially in the word workmanship. Because it's really interesting, in the Greek, 
The word really means poemea, and literally the translation is poem. And what that's saying and how the Greeks understood it is that we have been, we are God's workmanship, which means we are a work of art that has been molded and shaped to be in His image. And if you think about that and think about what I've talked about with the people there, with the countryside, with everything that He's created, you could think, boy, we are created in His image, so we are special. We are, are marvelous. But the fact of it is, is that we are not as wondrous of a creation as there is. There's something greater. There's something that God has created that's even better than what we are. And surprisingly, what that is, is people who were once dead in the trespasses of our sins, we are now alive in Christ. He has taken these people created in His image who are dead in their sins, and He's created something new, people that are alive in Christ. That is the wonder of His creation, the magnitude of what He has done. As His workmanship, we are ones that have been given new life. It says there in the verse that we are created in Christ Jesus where that life comes from. Our very existence is due to the work of Christ. He took upon Himself the guilt and the penalty of our sins so that we might have life, so that we might be saved, so that we might move from being people who are in sin, dying in our sin, and alive to Him. That is a wonder of His workmanship. But this all carries with it an understanding that we need to take on and a responsibility, which is as His workmanship, we are also to do good works. It says, For we are His workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. And when we talk about doing good works, this does not mean as a means in order to earn salvation. There is no way that we could ever do enough of what God requires to be saved by our works. Salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We have been saved by His grace. We have been saved through the faith, and we've been saved by what He did on the cross for us. And I was asked earlier this morning by Steve. Um, Steve gets to appear a lot in this sermon, I think. I don't know why, but uh, he asked, how do, how do you go about preparing your sermons? And I said, you know... There's a lot of involvement. Most of the time I prepare with a lot of fear and uh, trepidation because I'm not sure what I'm going to say will make sense uh, or that God is actually you know, directing me and I'm being obedient to His direction. But one of the things I've discovered here is that when I have a thought and I'm someplace where I can't write it down, I don't remember the thought. And I found out that on my uh, smartphone, I can go to a certain app and press the little microphone thing and record my thought. So if I'm driving, I can actually do that and not get in an accident. So I was recording my thoughts and, and as I was going along and preparing. And uh, I also found out one of the things about it is that it spell corrects for you or it tries to guess what word you're saying. So if you don't speak distinctly, sometimes something comes up you didn't intend to have come up. Uh, and in this case, when I was putting down my thoughts about God's grace and about his, uh, of, of our faith and our you know, being saved in Christ alone. Uh, what I said is that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. And for some reason, when through faith alone was, was recorded, it didn't come out that way. And I looked at it and thought, where did this come from? Because it was actually a pretty cool typo because it said, uh, we are saved by grace alone, and that was what it came up as. Pretty cool. 
And I thought, oh, I, that is true. Our salvation by grace is pretty cool. So how they got pretty cool from faith alone, I have no idea. But that's what, that's what was heard. But in that sense, uh, because we are created in Christ, because he has done this work in us by his grace and his mercy, we are a reflection of who he is. That life that he gives us is a life that we need, a life that we need to show to others that we need to be a reflection of Him, created in Him so that we would do these good works in order to glorify Him. Christ's character is within us. And because His character is within us, we need to show that to others. We need to show that by our good works, by the things that we do that bring Him glory. And this was exactly what Steve was talking about. He trusted in the Lord at that point, looking for that opportunity and seeing that God was unfolding this, this gentleman's desire to know who Christ was. And he stepped in and showed his good works and, and just went for it. And I remember talking later on when we were sharing together, he said, man, he was so receptive, I just kept putting my foot in the door and, and then eventually I got my leg in, my knee, and my whole body was there in the door. And then he said, and Doug was completely worthless in the whole process. So, but I did pray and all that. But our character, because Christ is in us, we need to show his character. We need to do these good works, be able able to to reach out to those in need. And the second thing, because of our good works, is that we need to be obedient to him. When we are obedient to him, that proves our love to him. It proves our faithfulness to him. And we set aside our own agendas. We set aside the things that we want to do because we're willing to be in obedience to Him. And that's what He wants from us. He wants us to be following Him, obeying Him, and trusting in Him in everything that happens. As we prepared for this trip, we were giving uh, directions and instruction from, from the group in South Africa as to what we would be doing. And Brian put together the schedule of where we would be on what day and what the task was that we'd be accomplished. And when I looked at the schedule in my mind, I thought, great, now I know what we're not doing. Because that's what happens when you go on a trip like this. You make your plans. You make your, your uh, arrangements. You do your agenda. And you think, okay, I'm going to go here and, and we're going to do a lot of building, which was what we were expecting to do. That we were going to work in churches and, and at the baby home and do construction. Yeah, we might do a little one on the side. That would be for, you know, the women folk on this trip. But we were going to build. Yet God changed us and what we did from doing projects that would have some kind of show as to what we did to being in relationships with people. It's all we did, it seemed like. We met with people in their homes. We encouraged the pastors of churches. We were able to be connected in the park with people who didn't know Christ. We went to home groups. We had the opportunity to do, to do some things that you, you read maybe in the Bible that you do. Is that we just went with other believers and listened to their story, sitting in their living rooms. Some living rooms smaller than others because that's all they had and was not that great, not that big. We went door to door. We were able to see all the different things that God was doing in people's lives even in the poorest of communities. And it's that obedience, that walking in the direction that He wants us to go, loving these people, being faithful to Him, that helped us to carry out His plan and not our plan. And that was our attitude when we left. 
We said, God, we know that you want to use us in some way. Maybe it's not going to be the construction. Maybe it will be something different. And so our hearts and our minds were open to be able to do whatever it was that he wanted us to do. And what he wanted us to do turned out to be different than what we had planned to do. But the result of that is that we were so thoroughly blessed. We experienced things that were unexpected, but we received a blessing from God that was unexpected as well. And when I got back from the trip, you kind of have that, that time where you're, you're excited about what you've done. You're excited of how you've been and you reflect on all that, that God used you in. And you think, boy, that was blessed. And at the same time, you think, why don't I do that here? Why don't I go to a park and just find somebody who looks like they need to know who Jesus is and talk to them? Why don't I go to some person's house who might need a visit? Why don't I, I talk to another pastor who might need encouragement in some way in their church? It seems so really easy in, in South Africa to do this. It seems so easy to, to be used by God for blessing and for glory. And when I ask the question of why I don't do this, there's two, two answers that come to mind. First of all, I'm a selfish person. It's about me a lot of the times, not about others. I, I'm so interested and more interested in doing my own thing and not be bothered by people that I would rather not take the time to go out and do anything, to get to know somebody, to find out about them. And if God puts a person in my path, puts a task in my path, sometimes I go to Him in prayer, and my prayer is, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't think I can bear it. No, it's I don't want to bear it. And I say, deliver me from this task. And, and if you do, Lord, this is when I become the great negotiator at this point. If, if you deliver me from this, Lord, then I, I promise I won't watch that much TV anymore and I'll be in your word every single day and I'll follow you and do the things that you want me to do. And then when that all passes and I've done my negotiating, I actually go back to the way things were. I don't take that step. And then I wonder, Lord, how come I'm not blessed? Why don't I feel your blessings in my life? Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And there's so many times I don't care about other people's interests, that I don't want to know what their needs are, that I just would rather ignore them. But that's not what obedience is about. And that's not what God says your good works will show is ignoring people. And the second problem I have and the reason why I don't reach out to others is basically I'm rebellious. I'm a sinner. That's what rebellion is, is sinning against God. It's, it's going against the things that He wants us to do. And um, I just am rebellious and refuse to do it. I cross my arms, dig my feet in the sand and say, Lord, try to move me. But that's not what he wants either. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I'd rather say, Lord, here I am, you somebody else. It's not for me to do. But that wasn't the attitude that we had on this trip. And I'm trying to change my attitude being here as well because the attitude we had was, Lord, here I am, use me. I want to be used by you. I want to experience all the wonder and the glory of seeing you be lifted up I want to be blessed 
And all of these things that we did, these good works, all the things that were created in us as His workmanship, God had actually prepared them beforehand for us to do. And the reason is so that we would walk in them. And walking in them, being obedient, means that we will find joy. That we will learn to rejoice in all circumstances. And the funny thing about joy is that it is something that takes place not based on our circumstances. So oftentimes we think, Lord, if things are so good for me, if things were great around here, if things weren't going so in such a difficult way, then I would have joy in my life. But what that really is saying is I want happiness. And happiness is not the same as joy. They are two separate things. You can be in the midst of difficulties and struggles in your life and still have joy, but no happiness. And many of you know I had to leave from South Africa early. Part of my experience was my brother-in-law passed away. And I thought, I'm doing such great works for you, Lord. How come this has happened? Where's my joy? How come I don't get to finish the trip and experience even greater blessings and take place? Instead, I'm asked to be pulled away. And it hasn't been until recently that I've seen where that joy has come and why that's taken place. When I, when I left and found out about him passing away, I had two and a half hours to try to catch a plane home the last flight out that day. Our host family in the Mac said, let's jump in the car and just go to the airport and see what happens. It probably won't get on a flight, but we can try. And 30-minute travel there and trying to spend another 15 to, to 30 minutes getting a ticket, with an hour left, I was able to get on a flight and come home. Unheard of. Had some friends who said that they were in South Africa and they were detained three days after their flight had, had, was scheduled to leave just because the government decided they wanted to. And then I had my layover, and it was a longer layover in, in London. I kept thinking, time is passing by. I'm not going to get home to family. But then I got my next flight, came home, and when I got to customs, I had no idea that most of the time it takes hours to get through customs. I made it through in half hour. I went back to meet the team when they came home from their trip and it said that their flight landed at 2.30 and it wasn't until 5 that the first person came off from our group. God was in control. He was working. He was guiding me and helping me through this difficult circumstance and in that I was able to be joyful just because of what He orchestrated. It was marvelous to be able to experience that in the midst of difficulty. And joy has just continued to happen. The happiness isn't always there. But there is still joy that I'm being used by Him, even in my own family. And that's why Paul was able to write in Philippians 4, 4-7, through 7, that he would rejoice in the Lord always. And again he says, I rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul was in a situation in a jail writing this. He was under attack. 
both from Christians and non-Christians. And yet he found a way to rejoice in the Lord because of his relationship with Christ. And that's why we can find joy in difficult circumstance. It doesn't have to do with the things that are going on around us. What it has to do with is that personal relationship we have in Christ because he has taken us from being dead in our trespasses and moved us to a place to where we are now alive in him. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where true rejoicing can take place. And because we are alive, we are a new creation. And as his new creation, we are his workmanship, his work of art, created to do good works. And in that we rejoice, that he is using us, and we receive that blessing. And when we do our good works, when we show that we are his masterwork, his, his workmanship, we are reflecting the very character of Christ in us. And his character needs to show so that others might see who he is and glorify him. And this means that at all times and in every situation, we need to be showing Christ in our lives. And that might sound something like it would be very difficult to do and, and trying to do it without knowing and feeling that can be disingenuous. And it is unless you're spending time with Him and you're allowing things that He teaches you to flow through your life. When we were there in South Africa, it was pretty obvious what the group makeup was. We had part of our group 22 and under. The other part of our group was 45-ish and older. I won't say what the top age was. It's older than me. And there was nothing in between. That's a huge difference in ages. It's a huge difference in what took place. And where it was probably the most obvious was depending on which van you were riding in. If you rode in the 22 and younger van, you walked out of that van singing every show tune that there was, humming in your head every Disney princess song that could be written and not just when you walked off the van but long long after you were humming these things but you know what's really interesting is that's exactly what we need to be doing when we're in God's word we need to be so saturated in his word that after we put it down we're still humming we're still singing that tune in our minds and it's going to be showing through our lives at that point. It can't help be that way because we're saturated in Him. You know, in the other part of, of being His workmanship is that He cares for you. And not only does He care for you, but you are gifted. Remember, He took a dead person and brought them life. Is there any greater care that can be seen by God? Is there any greater work? No. And because He wants you to do good works, you are going to be gifted by Him to do those good works. He loves you. He wants to use you. And if you feel like, you know what, I can't be used by Him. I have no talent. I have no ability. I have no gift. Then you're wrong. Because in that... God is going to give you exactly what you need at the time you need it in order to fulfill the good works He has for you. That might be serving in the church. That might be serving in the community. It might be in your own home. 
but you have been gifted by God as his new creation to be able to be used by him for good works. And if you're hurting and if you're struggling and if you're finding it difficult to carry on day in and day out, just remember, too, that you are a work of art. God put that care into you because he cares for you. God has created us for good works so that we would glorify him. And when we do so, we are blessed. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this morning that you've given us to, God, be in your word. Lord, to learn from you, to know you, to experience just what it is that you have to offer us because of the new life that you give us, that we are alive in Christ. And as such, you desire for us to be used by you so that we might be blessed. And I pray, Lord, that this day as we are here this morning, that by your Spirit you would help us to know these things more fully, to know these things more completely. Lord, help us to be obedient to you. Help us to walk in the path that you've set before us. Lord, help us to not make our plans what is the most important, but to follow your plans and your direction. Lord, we love you, thank you, and we give this to you. We pray it all because of Jesus. Amen.